This is the Parents in Sport podcast. Amazing guests, honest conversations, topics that matter. Welcome to season four of the Parents in Sport podcast. I am your host, Gordon McClelland. I'm delighted to be joined today by James Wilson, a.k.a. The Sleep Geek. James, thank you for joining us on the show. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. Well, this is, uh, I'm really looking forward to this next 45 minutes or so because this is such an important topic. Crops up all the time when I'm out and about in the world of sport. But just to start with, James, can you tell um, our listeners a little bit about yourself and, and some of the organisations that, that you work with and your story, I guess, to date so far? Yeah, so I am a I'm a I'm a sleep behavior and environment expert. I am a I I work generally as a sleep practitioner. I've I've worked with kids. I started my career working with children, with a children's sleep charity, and then uh, I'm particularly specialised in teenagers with the charity. Um, did some did some additional adult training around CBTI, um, and and day to day I work with um with organisations and sports teams generally. So working with cultures often trying to trying to get sleep embedded in cultures that. Sometimes maybe sleep is not is not the main priority in those cultures, and I'm I'm there to try and see how we can how we can help the 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 organisation, the sports team, or the individual um, sort of work out themselves because I, I think it's all about the individual this stuff. So I work with people in, in the organisation side. I work with people like um, Zurich Insurance, Pret Marge, Red Bull, um, Coca Cola, Hellenic, who are the, the the bottling company for Coca Cola. Um, I've worked with a couple of governments. Worked with the UAE government and the government in the Alaman. Um, and and within sports, I I was really sort of working. I worked in football. Um, I worked with Bodham United for uh, for for quite a long time, four or five years, going going in and out of there. Um, I'm a Bodham fan, and I, I, I'll talk a little bit about my uh, my my. I have been a teenage athlete. I was an academy player at Bodham for not very long. Um, my sleep was appalling, in all honesty. Uh, I can still remember the fear. And the and the sort of not sleeping at night and just laying in bed all day just because training. And I was sort of fifteen when I was there. Um, I was there for months rather than a concern my time. But I was the son of a ex professional footballer. So um, in terms of parents, parents and uh, and and my my dad had sort of had a you know we had a short professional career. Um, his probably biggest claim to fame was he was he was sacked by Tommy Doherty uh, when he was manager of Rotherham, the ex uh, Scotland and Man United manager, um, and in, and we still booed him. When he came on telly until the day he died, because because <laughs> went to my dad, he, he told my dad he played. For, he told he told the Daily Mirror that my dad had played for England, and then three weeks later sacked him for having weak ankles. So um, it, it was it was not well it was not well loved in our in our house. So I've I've been I've, I I have a lot of empathy with some of the young athletes I work with. I've worked with um, I worked with Rotherham. I've worked with Lincoln City. But with Sheffield United. Um, I, I I talk about my my uh, my five promotions and one cup win in in, in that time with those clubs. This season, I'm West Ham. I'm West Ham sleep expert, so I work with across the club, both men's and women's, um, and and supporting all aspects of the club. So when I when I work with organisations or sports teams, it's about everyone getting that sleep advice. It doesn't to me if you're in that organisation, you need. We often focus on the athlete, but actually for coaches, you need to be sleeping properly. Um, for for um for, for support staff, they need to be sleeping properly, and and I think. For parents of, uh, of, of, of of young elite athletes, they need to be sleeping properly. I also work with Sports Aid. Um, where I know you 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 probably know quite well. Um, I'm I'm their sleep expert, so I support the athletes coming through coming through Sports Aid, uh, which I think is a great for me in terms of my practitioner career. It's brilliant because I'm working with lots of different sports, lots of different sort of age groups from from sort of ten, eleven, with some of the power athletes into into sort of mid twenties, 
late twenties, and and that teaches me a lot about um, you know about the different the different pressures different sports upon people, um, and and how to you know how different you know, governing bodies or different teams have different cultures, and you have to you know I'm I'm part of a performance team. I'm not there to, like it's not about sleep being perfect because we're in environments where sleep is difficult to get perfect sleep. It's about how do we support these athletes to get the best sleep they can, and and that is that is often often my focus. Brilliant. Well, we're not going to get a lot of perfection, are we? We're certainly not perfect sports parents, and lots of us acknowledge that now, even if we sort of know what we're trying to do. But I think this is one that we can uh, certainly pick pick a few bones out of. So um, sleep's obviously important for everyone. Um, it's it, it's particularly important, I think, for, for young people in their development, and certainly people who are involved in sport. So you know what what are the benefits just generally in terms of of sleeping well what should we expect to see and why should it be a priority as you say embedding it you know across a whole culture um i, th- I think so sleep is foundational um in terms of our mental and physical well-being and health so it, it's just it's it's, it's 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 we're sleeping well we are the world is easier to deal with in in if we if we're gonna if we're gonna simplify it that that's what that's what it comes down to but when when it comes to sleep and, and, and what it provides us during deep sleep during slow wave sleep during also the non rem three sleep we're physically recovering so when we've you know, as as athletes when we have when we've performed or we and we've 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 we're tired and our muscles have need to do a little bit of repair this happens during deep sleep normally the early stages of the night and deep sleep is that stage of sleep where we've you you've, you 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 if you woke from it you feel very groggy. Um, you maybe you know you, you may you may sleep through a fire alarm that that's deep sleep. You might sleep through um, burglar alarm going off down the street. That's deep sleep. You might sleep through your, your, your kids if when they were younger shouting out in the night. That's how the deep sleep we are lagging. There is, there is it is one or one or the other. But deep sleep is that stage of sleep where it's very difficult to rouse us. Um, and, and and we are most of its work is generally is is, is physical recovery. Um, there are four stages of sleep. Two of the stages are more like interconnected sleep, and they they generally make up about sixty percent of our sleep. So, um, non-REM one and non-REM two stages of sleep, which are more like or which can be known as light sleep, they 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 they're connecting deep sleep and another important stage of sleep, REM sleep. And in REM sleep, is where we build emotional resilience. It's where our brain our our brain goes through an overnight counseling session where we work through the emotion. Of the previous day, we we um, and so what we saw during lockdown, for example, is people having more vivid dreams, remembering their dreams more, and this was because stressful situation that our bodies aren't used to, and therefore in the night your brain was probably working harder to work through that the, the emotions around around that situation. So that happens during um, REM sleep. REM sleep is also where uh, where we sort of we 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 file ideas. Um, routines things from the day before that are important so if you are an athlete if you if you if your sport involves learning a routine REM sleep is very important to that um you know REM sleep contributes to our ability to make decisions in the moment it, it, it builds that emotional resilience and I think if we all think about um, when we don't get sleep we, we see how how REM sleep is affected because REM sleep happens later in the in the in the sleep cycle and is also um it's easier to wake us up during REM sleep so if we are sleeping poorly it's more likely that it's REM sleep that we're not getting, um, and and we see this. So if you are if you have slept poorly, your ability to manage your emotions is a lot more difficult. You are more likely to um, you're more likely to to lose your temper really. So you know you might slept well, can deal with the world the world around us, and you see this with coaches. You know I think often coaches are a good example in the public domain that we see where people actually they 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 don't they're not dealing with with emotions very well. And and it's because they're not slept well because 
Um, you know, you, you watch press conferences sometimes and, and coaches and managers can say some very strange things and actually lose lose their, their temper. And that's because they've not had enough REM sleep. As as individuals, you know, you you slept poorly, you're waiting for someone to, to come at you, your kids, your partner, your colleagues, random strangers walking down the street. You you are ready to blow. And I think that's that's where sleep is foundational both physically and mentally. So and, and it's about meeting our individual sleep needs. So a lot of there's a lot of prescription in sleep. And I think if we're thinking about sleep, we need to think about sleep as being closer to our mental health in terms of how we address it rather than, um, say, exercise or diet, because we, we can't force sleep. And, and there is no magic number for how much sleep we need. We are all different. And sleep need is not just how much, it's also how good. And this is some of the problems that we come across in sport that we try and address it in a very prescriptive way. And we we we, we create stories around sleep that, that sounds you know, intuitively sound correct, but actually are, are more likely to damage the uh, the athletes young or old that that we are that we are working with. And and I think that's probably the difference between general population sport, where um, sleep is, is you know sleep is is some of the messaging around sleep within sport is is to be blunt wrong, um, and and that that isn't helping the the athletes we support, um, whether we're, whether we're a parent or we're a coach. Yeah, and as you say, that doesn't help anybody, does it? Because it doesn't help the athletes. But then it's really confusing for uh, parents in particular who we hear a lot from about, you know, working with their kids around sleep and the the challenges that that we all face on that. And that's something we'll come on to um, later. So, I mean, there's so much in there about the importance of of quality sleep. And I'm sure our listeners can recognise a number of those scenarios that you've you've alluded to in our own personal lives, those moments when we feel or when we wake up and we know, I guess we know subconsciously what the sleep's been like, but we've never really particularly thought about it and thought about the impact um, on our actions. How do we how do we make young people recognize the importance of of good sleep? Now, obviously not when to go to bed, but how do we get them to understand that it's a really important part of of them developing, particularly if we're, you know, you think of some of the environments both you and I in, we're, we're working with very young athletes in some cases, you know, football academies, gymnastics, swimming, you know, very hard trying to explain to a 9, 10, 11-year-old, you know, the importance of it, because they just don't get it. They don't need to think like that. Probably neither do the teenagers for that point, but we'll come on to them later. I think I think it is it's it's really simplifying the, the, the message because sleeping in, in, in just to a sense is quite simple. You know, it's, it's, this isn't like nutrition where there's a million and one ex, uh, uh, million and one recipes or, or or training where there's a different routine and we have to. It, it's it's very very simple. It's 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 taking it back to this sort of understand. It's part of understanding yourself um, as a as a as a human and, and as a, as an as an athlete. So I think it is it's it's so I I, I do this job because I'm a poor sleeper like genetically so we inherit sleep and and i inherit it from my from my family my family made mattresses so i was a poor sleeper who sold mattresses and that's where i started because we employed sleep experts who were useless who, who were telling me that it was my fault and it, it was prescriptive and it was like well i'm a doctor and you're an idiot it was that kind of that kind of kind of like just pomposity when 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 explaining to poor sleepers what was what was going on so i think the more we can break it down and simplify it and i work a lot in schools as, as well as within, within sport and i think it's 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 taking it back to that like about feeling sleep is not a number you know, being sleepy is not i need to be it's 10 o'clock so i need to be in bed sleepiness is a feeling so it's actually those younger kids it's talking about like what sleepiness feels like um because we all you know i think we've all 
we've all been children and we've all had probably most people listening to this podcast will have had children and we know how hard it is to to you know staying up is somehow seen as a sign of um age or experience or a badge of honor that we that we can stay up later and i think you know i know with with i've, I've got three kids and with my kids it is about it is about explaining that sleep's really important sleep's brilliant um they do roll their eyes a little bit when i start talking about it but it is from a very young age dark is good you know i think there's a lot of we we, we are designed to be anxious at night because as an, as an animal when we have predators we were we were more vulnerable at night um so our whole body you feel exactly more anxiety more than night. The the wardrobe monsters are bigger in the middle of the night for us as, as adults. You know, it's not not just not just for kids. Um, but 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 I think starting to have those conversations that no, dark is good, sleep is important to us us functioning well. Um, but it's difficult because those messages aren't in schools in the same way that healthy eating maybe is. Um, it's not in school in the same way that exercise is. Um, and and I think you know I. I, I I feel that sleep is is as important as, as you know diet and sleep are your two main recovery tools, and I think um, I think it, if we get those right, doing you know, our 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 lives become easier, our sports become easier. So I think the more we can simplify the messages, make it make it make it sleep in its simple form, which is which is why it's good for you, and then actually t- to fall asleep, you need to be relaxed, and you need to be cooler, and, and you need to un- and you need to understand yourself. So. Um, for example, like sleep type, chronotype. We all have heard of larks and owls, but we don't really understand what that means because it's not either a lark or an owl. It's actually a line from early types to late types. And we all sit on that line somewhere. And actually most of us sit on that line somewhere in the middle with a slight preference one way or the other, apart from teenagers, which is some of the, the as, you, as you, anyone working with teenagers knows, or living with teenagers, they're a little bit later. But if, so if we target a bedtime for our children, that does not fit their, their their body's natural rhythm, no matter how old they are. Whether they're you know the the from from probably twelve weeks in, the, the, these start these things start to start to solidify in their in their in, in in them. It's really difficult if you're a late type and you are going to bed too early. You just won't fall asleep. No matter what, no matter what magic tracks you're listening to, what lavender you're smelling, no matter you know what whether you're listening to to calm or headspace or you've meditated for twenty five minutes or you've got to work with your body's natural rhythm. So I think the more we can help younger children understand that, so we simplify it. Are you a good or poor sleeper? What's your, what's your sleep type? How much sleep do you need in terms of how much and how good? You know, it, it's it, it, when, when we get people to think about that, you, you then everything comes from from that from that starting point when it comes to sleep. Who who the who the child is as a as a sleeper? Yeah. Do you do you think? Um... Do you think modern society and the way life is, and obviously, again, we'll get onto this with the teenagers piece later, but this stuff around use of devices, technology, all those bits that come along, not just during the course of the day, but obviously um, throughout the course of an evening as well. Do you think that's led to a reduction in the quality of sleep across society, or is that just a bit, um, you know, is that a bit far flung as a statement, or do you think there is more poor sleep than maybe in the past? I think sleep expertise wants us to believe sometimes that the that sleep problem started in 2006 the invention of the iPhone. In all in all honesty, I think we we put too much emphasis on it being the device's fault because I think previous to that, I know I'm 42. The problem with them was everyone had a TV in the room. Yeah, and, it, and it's exactly sort of the same thing. I was watching things that yeah. were maybe not appropriate. Yeah, and and the computer games on till midnight because you fancied like a game on the old keyboards, the single yeah, yeah. spectrum. So yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. before that, it was radio. You know, if I talked to my, my daddy, we're listening to Wolves versus uh, 
some uh, Humved under his under his duvet in in like nineteen in the late nineteen fifties. Yeah, it, it isn't isn't the devices. Um, fall, it, it's it's the choices that we make. And I think actually we're better off helping our children make the right choices because I've worked a lot with teenagers and what I, the pushback I get from teenagers, um, and I've probably working with them now nearly 10 years, is was parents gave us this device at five to shut us up. And now when we're 15, they're telling us that we can't use it for hour before bed. What are we supposed to do? Because our whole consumption of content comes through these devices. So a lot of my work with teenagers is more what's appropriate to watch before bed, something funny. You know, something repetitive, something a bit trashy, rather than something that's not appropriate. You know, something that's, um, you know, that is uh, like a, a horror film or uh, a box set or a crime drama or mindlessly scrolling. It, it's it's about choices. You know, it's about choices. And I think if we can teach our teenagers to make better choices, then because they're going to use the device, and and that's not just them. That's that's us as well. Because I, you know, I go into organisations and when I do the who doesn't use their device in the hour before bed. You'll, you'll get one person put land up. Brilliant. They've got far better willpower than the other hundred people in the room. But we don't do it. So so actually, as an expert, I think giving advice that nobody actually listens to makes you um makes you makes you a bit a bit not needed as an expert. I think we have to try and help people make better choices around around what they're consuming. Whether actually it's on your device or whether it's on a TV or whether it's a book or whether it's listening. Um you know, performance podcasts are a bane of my life within a performance environment because everyone thinks that the right time to listen to a performance podcast is just before bed. Um, and your, if, you, if, your, if your job involves performing at elite level, listening to other elite performers talk about performing at elite level, it's not going to help you sleep well. So I think I think it's, it's more about choices. So I try and support the athletes I work with, help parents understand that it's, it, it's, it's about helping them make choices. So for example, I've got a 15 year old um, in, in our house up until an hour and a half before bed, you can do what you want. But for an hour and a half, we 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 consume together so we watch something on telly that that means that me his mum um and my, my stepson together we watch we watch something that relaxes us drops our heart rate makes us feel relaxed um not something normally something funny something a bit a bit a bit trashy we're all big fans of married at first sight uk um things like that you know that that your brain just starts to switch off it, it's better to take that post and say don't do this because i think i think don't i think you know, I'm a big fan of tiny habitual changes. I think particularly for um, the audiences that I work with in, in, in sport, it's easier to make a small change than it is to start like, not using your phone before bed. It's great if you can do that. In my experience of working with you know, hundreds of thousands of poor sleepers, not many of them achieve that long term. Yeah, and I think that that sort of teenage period where, you know, maybe when they're a little bit younger than that, we do have a greater sense of control in so much that I think back and it's like no actually that's going in there it's not going in your room that's how it's going to be you've got into that routine from a young age but I do however now have to admit that is getting more and more of a challenge and of course the TV uh, request has now come in ahead of Christmas or a projector or something that allows um, something in the room which up until this stage we've we've managed to avoid um, but again, that as you say, it it, it still goes back to that um, body rhythm, and it, it it certainly makes sense. You know, I think of my own thirteen year old in particular, who does have his device taken off him. Um, you know, well before bed, you try to watch something with him, but then he's still scratching around two hours later, and you can hear him. And I, I, you know, it, it it's it's going on and bringing it onto the teenage piece. I think then is so. They're going to bed way later than most parents would think it's good for them to go to bed too, because I think we just do, whether that's right or wrong or not. I think that's just the way we we see the world. But then, of course, 
I'm pretty comfortable with that. That doesn't bother me necessarily. It's then obviously that you can't wake them up. And then you get frustrated with the kids. But then if you know a bit more, you get frustrated with the sector in general, because then if we know that, why is that a good idea to be working on the timeframes we all have to work under? So what do we do? Let's talk teenagers. Let's talk trying to explain to parents now the changes that teenagers go through. Let's try and find some solutions based on the fact there are some things we can't actually control. So how do we make the best of it? So I think it's, it's yeah, it, I feel for teenagers. And I think I've worked with more teenagers than anybody else in the country on sleep. And it's, it's not their fault. We have a world that doesn't work with their their natural rhythm. Uh, about between, so as is, is probably our kids get to the end of year six, they start to show probably a little bit more late attendance. So you, 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 you start moving towards a more, on that line, you start to move along the line towards the late type, towards the owls. Um, and between probably 13 and mid-20s, we're more likely to be uh, a late type, more likely to have owlish tendencies. Um, if we generalise it, we'd say that's probably going to bed after 11 and getting up after 8. But we know that school doesn't allow that. So the actual biggest problem um, for for many teenagers is the school start time does not work with their body's natural rhythm. Now, in sport, we have a bigger we have a, we have a, another issue on top of that. And you mentioned sort of swimming earlier and diving. Those those sports often people get up at quarter past five in the morning to go training, which you know if to give it to, to show how, how, that will be us as sort of adults. Um, you know, so I'm forty two. You'd be like me at forty two, getting up at half three because because the way the body their, their bodies are shifted in terms of their body clock, we, we're actually waking them up at equivalent of a, of a. I think the research was based on a fifty five year old man, a fifty five year old man getting up at half past three in the morning. So no, even if you're the earliest of early types. You know, you, you get up at half three is always going to. I, I I appear on on morning TV enough to know that morning TV presenters are not big fans of waking up at half three to get to the studio, and I don't think any of us would be. So I think we need to have a bit more empathy for our, our teams because it, it's, it's not their fault. Um, but this is where the problem lies because actually, when it comes to 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 sleep, um, we, we can we can we can wake up at a consistent time. That's not difficult because we can set an alarm. Yeah. Where actually going to sleep at a consistent time is there's not a human alive who can go to sleep every night at the same time, and that's where if you ever and this is quite pre- prevalent in sport, it's one of the biggest myths and, and issues I come up against is this sort of like ninety minute cycle theory of if you want nine hours sleep and you get up at half seven, count back count back um, ninety minute cycles and you go to bed at, at, um, at, at half ten. If you fall asleep at half ten, then you wake up at half seven, and you just wake up and you feel you wake up singing "Morning's Broken" and everything's hunky dory. And it, and it's it's. I was talking to someone who's responsible for well-being in a football academy um, in the last two weeks, and they've had well-being training that taught them that theory, and that theory is wrong, 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 wrong. And that's that's some of the that, that's some of the issue that we think we can control sleep at at, at sleep time. And we, you know, we, we then say, well, you need to get up at, at quarter past five, so you're going to have to go to bed at quarter past, quarter past eight or nine, at quarter past nine is probably the norm for, an, for, an, for a young athlete getting up at quarter past five. And they're just the, the late times. That is so far from their body's natural rhythm that that, that will be incredibly difficult. And what, if, what happens is after about 15 minutes, half an hour of laying in bed, we start to feel more stressed and anxious. Our cortisol adrenaline levels rise. Our bodies are designed to not feel sleepy when we are in fight or flight mode. It makes sense when we had predators, when saber-toothed tigers are tracing us. The last thing you want to be is asleep. 
So your body will react. To, and in fact, we're, we're quite unique as an animal in, in, in doing this. Um, and, and so when we get stressed and anxious, we will find it harder to fall asleep. And then we find it harder to sustain sleep um, in, in, like and in, in get good quality sleep. So if we're, if we're sort of saying to our, our teenagers, you've got to be in bed for our 10 or 10 o'clock, um, they can't, they're not going to be asleep. They can be in bed at that time, but they're not going to be asleep. And I think we probably, with younger kids, um, as a, as a, when I was a kid sleep practitioner, a parent of a seven-year-old, six-year-old, five-year-old that's not sleeping, that's a problem for the parent. I think often a, a teenager not sleeping is a problem. We, we, we don't know about it because they're just in the rooms and they could be wide awake and we don't even know. Um, so I think we, you know, it is about having a little bit of empathy for them. So I, the worst thing we can do is, is, is make them go to bed earlier than the time that suits them. Now, when I, get, when I talk to audiences of, of, of teenagers about this, they think what I'm saying. They, they translate this. James is saying that I can play my Xbox till three o'clock in the morning. That's what James just said. I've heard him. He said that. And that's not what I'm saying. I think we have a, a, a reasonable target of sleep time. Um, if, if, they're, if, they, if they're going to bed at one, two o'clock in the morning now, even going to 11 o'clock is, is difficult. So what I would do as a practitioner, we'd start at that, that one o'clock that going to sleep. For the hour before that one o'clock, we'd, we'd build a, a wind-down routine that worked for them, focusing on dropping our heart rate. So it would be around like what we're consuming. We might be putting some meditation in there. We might put, put, be be um, doing things that help drop their heart rate in terms of like what they're watching. Um, and and we get them sleeping at one o'clock with that, with that routine. And then we'd start to bring that, that time earlier. I would say for a teenager, I wouldn't. I would never really go any earlier than, than eleven p.m. unless unless I'd established that their chronotype was was the sleep type allowed that, and it's very rare for that to happen. I think as parents, we've got to accept that teenagers might be going to sleep later than us and going to bed later than us because I think that's the that's the hardest bit. Hardest bit as a parent. I'm a sleep expert who has all this knowledge, and and I still fall into parent mode of a bit late, a bit late here. You need to be you need to be going to bed. What are you doing? Um, but I think he's having a conversation with with my now. I think we could also take a moment to feel for my stepson that he was ten when I came into his life with my ideas of not playing your Xbox right up until bedtime. Um, at first, he was not a fan of my work, if I am honest. <laughs> but you no, know, having the compassionate conversations because I think sleep always benefits from compassionate conversations around how we can create um, how we how we can create a, a, you know a, a compromise that works. As, as work wonders and that that's our compromise you know you can do what you you know we, we have a bit of time for for homework as you come in you do what you want in those couple of hours between that and 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 wind down time and wind down time is something you know and, and, and we'll do it with him because i think we'd, you know i think then that means that it, it creates a bit of family time and a bit of connection which is which is always good so i think it's 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 just it's just having that little bit of empathy and talking to schools as well because i think this is a societal issue that won't change until we accept that school start times are too early. Um, you know, when I was at school, we got to school at nine and, and finished it and started lessons at half nine. You know, my stepson's getting to school. I think it's actually a bit later now, but there are people in school going at half eight. That has just changed this year. It used to be eight o'clock. Um, eight o'clock is too early for a teenager to be starting school. I think with the sports that start early, it's it's slightly different. I think as you touched on it, that we I think we all can understand that getting you know. Starting training at six o'clock in the morning for a fifteen-year-old is not is not the is not the best time. Um, I'd argue for any of us, it's probably not the because most people are, are more likely to be later in their sleep type than earlier in the general population. Um, but, but but that's sometimes when the pools are available. So I think we 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 then need to recognise that. So some of the things we can do, 
making sure that the because I would rather someone get up at quarter past five is is falling asleep healthily at eleven and sleeping till quarter past five and getting six hours and fifteen minutes of good quality sleep than going to bed at half nine, laying there until half one, having disturbed sleep until quarter past five, and actually only getting three hours sleep. And that happens a lot. You know, that is that ha- is happening a lot. Um, using light to wake up, so you can get sunshine alarm clocks that rise like the sun. They are brilliant because when you wake up with an audible alarm, you wake up with like a start, your adrenaline's pumping, and your body, you look around, still dark, still, still, still quiet, let's go back to sleep. And that snooze, snooze button syndrome, I like to call it, can it's not a, a great way to wake up, particularly for a, a, a young athlete who then has got to go and train in an hour's time. So I often use a combination of sunshine alarm clock and then a light box. Um, designed for seasonal affective disorder, gives off a very a, a frequency of light that is, it, it mimics the sun. It, 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 it helps the production of cortisol. It gets us awake. It starts to set the body clock as being as being early. Um, and then that will mean within that, that young athlete's chronotype because chronotype is not a set in stone you know so i think the best way to think of, of chronotype in terms of going to bed and waking up is it's about a 90 minute window of, of when it, and when if you hit that nine minute window you're more likely to get better quality sleep so half night so for example i'm a sort of early early typical half nine to eleven is my sleep optimum sleep time five till half six is my optimum wake up time if i hit between those two those two times i generally feel better so i could have one till Eight, still seven hours, but it's just because it, of my body, my, my my body's natural rhythm. It it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work as well for me. Um, so I think the more we can kind of like set that this is our wake up time early, then 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 sleep time becomes easier to bring forward. Um, but unfortunately, again, there's a lot of like sort of around sleep optimization. This idea that you can just like go to bed three hours early and you'll fall asleep. It it, it just it, that's a very big jump for your body to start doing. Your body loves consistency when it comes to sleep. And again, for our young athletes who are maybe training five days a week and getting up at quarter past five, when they then have a lie-in until 10, 11, or just, you know, general, general our teenagers want to have a lie-in until to, to, to later on a, on, a, on a day off, that then upsets the body's natural rhythm. Um, a lie-in of about an hour and a half, two hours, your body, most people's bodies can, can sustain. When it gets beyond that, you give yourself a form of social jet lag. So it starts to become very, very difficult for the for the, you know, the body just gets confused. When am I going to sleep? When am I waking up? Um, you put in if you if you shut your if you have if you have those um, lines for a long time at the weekend, your your major organs are in shutdown mode for longer. Um, that's why you often have inertia, so you sleep longer but feel worse. If you've ever sort of experienced that at the weekend, it's and 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 there is some research to show that that your organs being shut down for longer actually you know, it, it diminishes their efficiency at working. So the, the more we can be consistent with sleep. Have a targeted sleep time that works with your, your teenager's body clock. Have a wind down time in that hour before that sleep time that that is focused on dropping heart rate, being relaxed, dropping core temperature. Bath or shower is really good for dropping core temperature. And then in the morning, lots and lots and lots of light to try and. But they will not wake up singing. No, they will not wake up like this is a good day. They they just won't. But it is it is sort of it, at least we, 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 again it's that sleeping better not perfect. That's the best we can do in that situation. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I just love that. I mean, we're 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 ultimately saying not get too worked up and be too prescriptive around, 
you know, sort of bedtime. But whenever that may be or it seems to fit, we're looking at that window prior to that to set the the best environment. And then I'm guessing in the morning then also as that light gradually rises, you're not going to get an instant wake up. So are you saying if you were getting up at seven o'clock, that light and those clocks start coming on at six? Are you saying oh, six, but off now before the clock comes off now before? Yeah, now there is a bit. I'm very sensitive, so if I if I have one, me and my wife have one. She's quite a deep sleeper and a good sleeper. I'm a light sleeper and a poor sleeper. I'll I'll wake up at six thirty one, but at seven she will still need an alarm. So often you do still need an alarm, but you come out of that like if if you if I think owls are more prone to deep sleep later in the night. So if you if you are in sort of a deeper stage of sleep, the the light will pull you out. Um, you the the light dart cycle is there's two systems that that manage our sleep. There's a light dart cycle where in you know in, in simple terms, if it's light, we're more likely to be awake. If it's dark, we're more likely to be asleep. And then there's a sleep pressure, which which during the day, from the moment you wake up to the moment you fall asleep, you are getting sleepier. So think of it like um, hydration. The longer you go without hydration, the thirstier you get. Longer we have sleep, the sleep you get. That's why um, sort of consistent wake up time leads to a consistent sleep time because your body gets into that lovely natural natural rhythm. And we want to build that pressure. Um, and, and and building pressure is, is really really important. This is where naps can be an interesting one because naps can be really helpful for performance. They can create alertness. They can create productivity. But actually, they can also steal that pressure if they are for some people if they had a nap at all. A late nap can steal that pressure. So, you know, after school, for example, if a kid comes home and has a nap at half three, four o'clock, that's maybe a little bit too late. That might affect sleep at night. Um, napping too long. I've worked with plenty of young athletes who are coming home at three, four o'clock and having a two, three hour nap. That's not a nap. That's a sleep at the wrong time. Um, and that and that sleep at the wrong time will will undoubtedly affect the, the quality of sleep at night, if not the quantity. It, it particularly can affect more like, like deep sleep and that physical recovery. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. All about, I guess, setting, as you say, staying in the rhythm, finding a rhythm, um, something that works. Just on that, we've talked a lot about that golden hour, I guess, before bedtime, whenever it is, and obviously bringing down the, bringing down the heart rate, being clever about how you spend that final hour. Um, what are we? What are what are the what are some of the best things we can do? And as you say, I think it's nice that you said that doesn't mean watching the serial killer on the loose or the 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 thing that's got a huge amount of stress um, attached to it. What what should we be doing in that in that hour? Well, one of the professional footballers I went with, he, he said to me the other day, "James, I've tried that thing you said about about uh, listening to something, and I was listening to this true crime drama, and it didn't work. That that's he sort of that, that's yeah, you're like it didn't work because you're really engaged with it. So it's 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 those things that that allow disengagement of the brain so it, it could be something just that is funny you know i think comedy is brilliant it releases the right sort of endorphins so uh, you know, a comedy series that that particularly one you've seen before so maybe people our age might be friends uh something like that big bang theory family guy um it, it's 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 looking at things like that that can that can drop drop your heart rate i think if 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 the if you if your kids are do meditation if they are using things like Headspace and Calm. I think particularly I've found a lot of, you know, a lot of success with the the sleep stories on Calm um, because the, there's often the culturally relevant people to, to to my young athletes who are telling the stories and and it, it, it gives them it, it gives them something to. It's sort of it's what we always put is like when we're not sleeping, we we often our minds wondering. I wonder what I'm going to do tomorrow. I wonder. I wonder. Oh, I forgot to do that thing. I wonder if I could do it now. Well, what we want is our mind to wander. Because if you if you think when you fall asleep, it's them lovely, like, iggledy-piggledy thoughts you get where it's all a bit 
all that out of sync and out of place, and then you fall to sleep. And that's what we're trying to do. So you can't actively sleep. You need to actively relax. That is different for every single person, but it is meditation, breathing exercises, acceptance. So, for example, night after an event, night after training, night after a game, we need to accept that sleep might be a little bit more difficult. And we might have to accept that we might have to wind down for a little bit longer. Now, if you're a poor sleeper, I'm a I'm genetically a poor sleeper. One of the strongest parts of my my improvement in my sleep, I've not cured it. Anyone promising a cure, selling your snake oil. I've not cured it, but why I'm better is I accept that I'm a poor sleeper, that sometimes I will sleep poorly. But I'm fine because I always get through tomorrow. And again, if it's a big event tomorrow and we're supporting a young athlete, I think it's getting them to think about you know that that um, that this this night's sleep is not connected to your performance tomorrow because your body can deal with with poor night's sleep. Your body's amazing at dealing with it, and it will get you through tomorrow. And if we're getting it right the rest of the time, it's not a concern. So with the athletes that I work with, we we don't focus on the night before. We you know we don't we, we accept the night after will be harder. Self analysis, cortisol, adrenaline, caffeine, other stimulants that we're using to to perform. Um, timing of event can can affect that night after. But that but even if we struggle night before, night after, it's another five five nights in that week, and that's seventy five percent of the time. You know, get them right. That's seventy five percent. That's enough. So I think sometimes we sleep, and this is where in elite environments it can be difficult because I'm asking people who the whole life have been told measure. If you don't measure it, you can't change it. You need to set goals. You need to get better at it. You need to try harder. If you do then things with sleep, you get worse. Um, and and I'm out, so a bit of it is, is work around around the mindset around sleep that it isn't the same as our training regimes. It isn't the same as our nutrition. It it, it requires a, a better sense of feeling of, of what does good sleep feel like. Um, a sense of what does sleepiness feel like so we can understand our own bodies and start to work with our body's natural rhythm rather than fighting it. Yeah, and I, and I think there's an awful lot of people, I'm sure, find it really refreshing about how realistic you are uh, around this topic. You know, I it's it, it, in my work, I often talk about, yes, I live and breathe this every single day, but oh my goodness, I mess up my sports parenting on a regular basis. I'm more aware of it. I hopefully make slightly better choices more of the time than I would have done. Am I going to get it right 100% of the time? No. Do I need to give myself a hard time about that? Probably not. Not really, because that's the reality. And it's nice to hear, I guess, the, the support we're giving today is based around making simple changes, changes that are possible and trying to get them right most of the time. And if you do that, you're probably going to make an improvement from where you are today. Yeah, that's it. That is it. Brilliant. Final question for you, James. Sure, um, this could have been, uh, this will be interesting to see how many we get after the podcast. If you had one, you only allowed one, you allowed one piece of advice you can you can make it span out into a couple if you need to, but if a sports parent's listening tonight or today, you've got one piece of advice you can give them, helping support their young person with their sleep. How are we going to set them up? What we're going to what we're going to start with? So I'm gonna I'm gonna split into two, so I can I can do the two things that the, the sort of the mistakes that I, that I that I see most most of all when when we are parenting our children around sleep, including like you say, Mick. Um, think. I think it's about about giving sleep that importance, and I think so. The one, the one, and the one way I think we can do that better is about conversations and conversations before bed around our our performance. So if we've had a late training session, that's not the time for us to be analysing the performance in training, or or if we've had late competition, analysing performance in in training. If coaches are asking you to look at clips, 
after after performance and it's late, we should we, we, we need to be challenging that that that, that viewpoint. Um, if if we're not with our children and they are competing um, away from us, and we we think that um, we, we have a, we have an inspiring message to give them before bed about the event tomorrow, that is that is the worst thing that you can do. Um, I see it in my my stepson. Uh, he, he plays like grassroots football, and uh, the coaching staff of his team are constantly send. Th- I think they think the Alpacino in any given Sunday. Uh, with some of the messages sent out at half ten in the evening, it's just not necessary because all that does is just as he's about to get to sleep, he's thinking about the game tomorrow, and that's the, that's where I don't want him think, thinking about the game tomorrow. Um, so I think I think that that would be the the one thing that we that I time and time again working with young athletes, um, and 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 if it is a parents, what we can do is 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 a we're going to be too emotional often to have that conversation just afterwards, but b you're ruining the sleep. And actually, if you've got a long commute home, which many of the young athletes that we work with. Do that should be seen as part of the wind down time. So if I, I work with athletes where they're finishing training at eleven and they're twelve years old, that's hard. But if you get in the car and you put relaxing music on and you have an eye mask and you um, you even get in your pajamas before you get in the car, so as soon as you get home you can go straight to bed. That 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 helps again. The best we can do in that situation for that hour drive, at least we're hitting twelve. We're getting home at midnight and we're ready to go. We haven't spent an hour. Um, sort of discussing that's because as parents we're, we're bad for this in the sport. what you did wrong kids what you did wrong um, so I think I think there's that and I think the other thing I would say and I think this is as much to the athletes the coaches uh, parents is that your your pillow your duvet your mattress are the three most important piece of equipment you have for your sport after your sport your equipment to play your sport because because recovery and sleep is about um, is about is as much is about temp, you know, is about much about the the sleep environment is it about is it is about the stuff we've talked about the stress anxiety the body clock it's getting those things right but we the thing we often get wrong is what we're sleeping on and under and I think you know we need to not be sleeping on our front if you've got a young athlete who's sleeping on their front arms above the bed next turns eight hours in an engaged position they're fine at, at 13 14 but I, when I'm working with them as a as a senior athlete in their late 20s they are struggling and a lot of sports you your shoulders you want don't want your shoulders and neck Know, struggling um so i think i think that is you know we, we need to encourage our kids to sleep on their side you can get body pillows that you can sort of hook like maternity pillows that, that, that you sort of put between your legs you get knee pillows that you can put between your legs you can you need to make sure the pillow is supporting your head properly pillows job is to fill the gaps between your head and the mattress so on your side it's your shoulder and on your back it's the nape of your neck um and and the mattress needs to be right what we do is parents often will buy a mattress at five and we expect that mattress to last until they're 18. So we need to make sure that you know, they've grown a lot in that time. We need to make sure that the, the mattress they're using doesn't have to be expensive, but it has to support them. And just be very careful when buying mattresses. Lots and lots of brands um, that market at sports people are foam mattresses. Foam makes you hotter. It makes sleep more difficult. For me and the athletes I work with, I like to see springs. I like to see natural fillings because um, the foam products often um, just just create too much heat in the, in the sleep environment. Uh, and, and I think, unfortunately... They're the mattresses that do market at, at, at athletes, and and a lot of athletes end up on the wrong mattress because of that that marketing. Wow, James Wilson, my goodness, what an incredible episode! Um, it'll be interesting to see how many questions we get and how many more questions you get from this as uh, our listeners listen to this uh, episode. Thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, it'd be amazing to have you on uh, again or doing something with us at some point in the future. I would love to. Yeah, we'll certainly explore that. But but thank you for joining us on, on this episode of the Parents in Sport podcast. Thank you. Sleep well. Thank you for listening. 
Check us out at parentinsport.co.uk.